0: Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Ron Locke, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. I'm excited today because I'm joined by a good friend, Dr. Jeremy Pierre, uh, to discuss gospel-centered marriage counseling. Uh, Dr. Pierre serves as dean of the Billy Graham School of Missions, Evangelism, and Ministry, and also as a professor of counseling at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's written and co-written several resources on counseling, including The Pastor and Counseling, and when home hurts, responding wisely to domestic abuse in your church, Dr. Pierre, thanks for joining me for today's topic.
1: Glad to be here, Ron George. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Let's just jump right in. I'm, uh, yeah. First, let's set some uh, some definitions. Let's let's establish some definitions for our terms. Uh, h- how do you define gospel centered marriage counseling?
1: Mm, yeah. I love your question. The tricky thing about a definition is it can imply this is the only way to define something. So Mm -hmm. I just got to give the caveat, this is not the only way to define something. I'm going to give my best description with I think what are the essential elements of it, which is really what a definition is. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, let me first say what it's not, and then I'll kind of give you something a little bit more formal in terms of what I think it is. Mm -hmm. You know, marriage counseling it's not refereeing a point of disagreement. Hmm. Um, I think that's what a lot of pastors feel so heavily about the idea of marriage counseling and they shy away from it because it just feels like, man, I'm just going to get involved in this private spat between a husband and wife. And then, you know, I'm, I'm going to naturally take one side or another. And then I, you know, I get implicated as the bad guy in these things. And so you know, you, there is some addressing of the actual disagreement that happens. Okay. But I'm trying to zoom back out and I want to give pastors and church leaders a vision for marriage counseling, not as refereeing arguments, but as discipleship, a a Mm -hmm. form, a specific form of discipleship. Okay. And what is that specific form? Okay. So, so here's, I think some of the elements I would say would make marriage counseling, gospel-centered. I love that language you use, Ron Jor. So, so I think, one, it focuses on God's purpose of marriage as love. Okay? Now, that's one of those things that's like so obvious that we tend to overlook it, but God's design of human relationships, period, is love. That's mm-hmm. the summarizing point. Mm-hmm. The building up of another at cost to self. Commitment to their good as God defines good. We know the greatest commands are love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. But marriage is this unique covenant relationship where a particularly exclusive form of love is expressed. Mm -hmm. And so whatever the, the, the secondary goals of the husband or the wife in terms of what they want out of the marriage or what they see their calling as, you know, from scripture, that's the number one calling. And so that's what we kind of orient ourselves around. So gospel-centered counseling focuses on God's purpose of marriage as love. Secondly, it explores the heart perspective of each spouse, okay? So what I mean by that is you're not refereeing, like I said, the the actual argument. Should we spend our money on this? Should we parent our kids this particular way? Should we this? Should we that? You you address those, but really what you're trying to do is explore The person's heart each spouse's heart as to why they feel so strongly about that issue or why they believe x y or z about that parenting issue or that money issue or or even about each other ultimately about god okay so it's focused on god's purpose of love i think it explores the heart and looks at the perspective of each spouse and then i think lastly to truly be gospel-centered it compels them with the love of God in Christ as the means by which they will love one another. Okay, mm-hmm. so, so the original thing. Mm-hmm. So So it's amazing to me how so many books I read on marriage or even methods for marriage counseling, they kind of miss the centrality of the gospel. And that is your heart is not loving naturally. You are naturally self-serving your sin will incline you to place yourself uh, in the stead of God, even in the way you conduct your daily life. And that's going to have an effect on your marriage. So what changes that? Well, what changes that is that God loved us first. We received the love of God by faith and therefore we're transformed to turn externally and love in return. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to truly be gospel centered, the gospel has to be the ultimate solution that's being presented to a couple in marriage. It's not just, hey, Jesus wants you to do this, or let's be Jesus y people. It's no, your heart is not like God's. And the only hope you have to have a heart like God's is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say that those are probably the key elements of what we would call, or you would call, again, I love that language, gospel-centered marriage counseling. Mm,
0: yeah, that's, that's really helpful. Uh, thanks for unpacking that for us. Yeah. Um, what, what are some of uh, the different types? I mean, you, you know, you, we've got uh, premarital counseling, we've got uh, uh, marriage enrichment, we've got crisis uh, counseling, mm-hmm. you know, and all these different things. What are, what are the ones that, that you're most involved in?
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, there's a, there's a handful of different types. I use similar language to what you just used um, in terms of just assessing the situation and what's the need. Um, you know, there's crisis marriage counseling where where basically that's an emergency response. You're not really exploring heart issues all that much. You're just trying to assess. Okay, what is bleeding? What is exploding? And, and clarifying what is going on and then creating a short-term response plan. Just mm-hmm. basically, how do we keep this marriage together? Or sometimes it's not like a crisis between each other. Sometimes it's just a crisis that's occurred to them. And so then you're just even thinking logistically, how do we help this family? How do we just relieve some of the uh, hardest aspects of this emergency that's happening to them? So that's different than what I would call marriage counseling proper if you will. So that that's more that's more not emergency response but but hardship response, okay? Mm-hmm. Marriage counseling or all counseling in one sense is responsive to a problem, right? Sure, sure. So you're assessing what is the problem? What's going on? You're looking at the larger historic narrative of why things have gone wrong in this marriage with his perspective and her perspective, the history of the relationship, how they've hurt each other, um, just things like that. That's what you're doing. You, you have more time, if you will, to explore and navigate those things than in a crisis situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you mentioned premarital counseling. That's an example of, I, those were responsive types I just said, premarital counseling and stuff is, is an example of there are proactive types of counseling, I tend to call those mentoring, so, so either marriage mentoring or premarital mentoring. Um, marriage enrichment, some people call it, mm-hmm. uh, premarital counseling. Some people call it, I don't call that counseling just because it's not, it's not responsive. It's proactive. So I call it mentoring. Again, that's just, that's just different ways to cut the same pie. Sure. Sure. But but the idea there is kind of, uh, proactive maintenance. It's, it's heavier on instruction and exercises and, Hey, this is a positive vision that you can aspire to in your marriage, mm-hmm. um, and those often uh, th- those are the more fun things to do. Honestly, for the counselor, the the and or the pastor or the church leader, like that's just the fun type of thing to do because you get to set out the positive view. Now, I think if you're doing it right, there are exercises within that that are pushing them to be more aware of the pitfalls that they might face in terms of just their own selves. Mm -hmm. Okay. As well Mm -hmm. as just in, in, in life, what, how do we adjust our expectations to a marriage in an already and not yet worldviews, theological terminology of, you know, the, the eschatological overlap of the ages that we're living in. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think of responsive and I think of uh, proactive.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um what what does a typical marriage counseling session look like? Like do you do you go in yeah. with a certain set of questions, kind of kind of questions that you ask every uh every couple?
1: Right. So uh I teach my students here at Southern and maybe this is a detriment. I just tend to mistrust pre-made structures okay. too much. Now, I do want a structure. You can't be totally shooting from your hip. So what I teach them is, hey, let's drill ourselves on the tasks that you're supposed to be doing. There's our structure in, in counseling. I'll, I'll say what those are in a second. But then I want you so, so learn your music theory so that you can play jazz, right? Mm-hmm. Learn, learn the structures so that in the moment you can kind of make your best judgment call on what questions help this couple most, right? So I won't bore you with like a whole structure of what I would would teach in a in a class I mean this is this is it's not the time for that but I'll give you a, a feel for it some some things you're trying to do in marriage counseling is read and explore the person's perspective mm. you you also want to do things that are going to help them be self-reflective about what's going on in their heart okay so so for instance on those things it's like hey you know this conflict you're telling me about Describe to me how you responded. Okay, how do you? Th- why do you think you responded that way? Okay, let's get let's get particular again. These self reflective mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. Why do you think you interpreted your wife's statement as an accusation in that situation you're telling me about? Mm. What do you think that might show that you believe about her? Just questions like that are are I'm going to be doing because I'm trying to actually explore the contents of their heart as scripture would want me to right and not just again referee the okay what words can we use differently next time instead of this word use this word that's not a bad idea i do do that but if you're only doing that you're not equipping them actually to see okay why did i respond like that Mm -hmm. and how does jesus address me at that level So then that kind of moves me into the later, not the later in terms of chronologically, but like, as, as we just think in terms of, of logical sequence, you know, you move to the the answer questions and then sort of providing guidance for answers. And that's where you're really exploring scripture together, you know? So, so like, you know, I mentioned love being the goal of marriage counseling. So take that biblical principle, you know, our goal, you say to the couple, hey, our goal here is like genuine love. So I'm thinking Romans twelve nine. One of the things scripture says about love being genuine is that we hold fast to what is good and we abhor, we reject what is evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that means love has this sort of discerning mechanism to it where we can tell the difference between what's pleasing and displeasing to the Lord. And so, so what that means is I'm going to ask you a question in light of this biblical principle, what do you think in your response to your wife was pleasing to the Lord and displeasing to the Lord? The the Bible has just set us up to ask that exact question, because again, we're seeking love and we see that a a piece of genuine love is this discerning feature that we have, the Mm -hmm. ability to hold fast to what is good and hate what's evil. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'll just throw this into, I I usually, so, you know, you can explore perspective, you can get into scripture. If you don't have some practical thing that you're planning to do with people, oftentimes they feel like they're just spinning their wheels and it's just they're living in the world of ideas. So I would I would maybe ask something towards the end, like, hey, in light of what we talked about, what's what's one realistic change you can make just this week? We're only talking short term. We're not we're not acting like we're solving all your marriage problems, but literally just this week in light of what you just said, what's one one small change that you can make? And we'll talk about a long term strategy later, but that's what we're talking about for now. And that usually helps people put, put legs to kind of the ideas that we explore. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Man, that's, that's all really, really helpful. Even just the idea of, um, I guess you could say, kind of feeling your way through the conversation and yeah. learning how to, yeah. how, to, how to think on your toes, if you will, with uh, different things. And also aiming at the heart uh, first, I I think is such a, a, an important thing when it comes to counseling. Um, you know, I'm sure you, you've probably seen, there's an old video, uh, and by old, I mean, not old because, you know, I was well in, (laughs) well in, and, you know, uh, I was very much an adult by the time this video came out, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, it was an old, uh, sketch comedy, Mad TV, uh, mm-hmm. which was, of course, in competition with uh, with Saturday Night Live back in the 90s and early oh, 2000s yeah. and so on. Classic. And there was one segment where they had Bob Newhart, uh, the old comedian mm-hmm. uh, on the show. And he's playing a, he's playing a psychiatrist. And there's mm-hmm. a lady that comes in and she has some problems. And he says, all right. He's like, well, I'm going to write down uh, a couple words here. And he said, and these words will change your life if you, if you mm-hmm. just stick to it, you know, and all of this. He's like, it's just two words. You know, you ready? And, and he just goes, stop it. <laughs> yeah. yep. Just stop it. You know, uh, don't do that. That's weird. You know, just stop yeah. it. you know." And, and I think a lot of us, when we think counseling, that w- that's what we think is that, you know, the first yeah. thing we need to do is just tell people, well, stop it. Don't do that. Yeah. But we're not aiming at the heart. You know, when we're just saying stop it, and so those questions that you said that they kind of probe below the surface. You know, they that get right. to the very heart uh, of of the matter. You know, um, yep. and again, if the end is love. Uh, then it's absolutely uh, appropriate yeah. to uh, to to move towards those levels uh, of introspection and and self evaluation yeah. and so on.
1: Ron if I can if I can just throw something in that is that really is one of the greatest skits of all time. Oh yeah, I <laughs> love it. Um, I I it's funny. I we I, we had this discussion in class, and uh, I actually said to my surprised my students, I was like, that is that really is a perfect picture of what not to do in counseling Mm -hmm. in terms of just giving behavioral instruction and yet interestingly enough as you explore the heart as you lay things bare as you connect their experience to jesus christ and show their need for the gospel there will be times where you are admonishing and and pleading actually with a counselee stop that yeah you can stop that. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you you are appealing to their will. You're not only appealing to their will, right? But but I just it's fun. I, I just want to say for all the pastors out there listening, like who might be feeling guilty if they've told somebody to stop it. Yeah, you could have done that in an, in a in an inappropriate way. But there also is there there that's an element of what we do over the long term. We appeal mm-hmm. to people's will. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. that's funny.
0: Yeah, it's the sense of uh, of situating the will. In the context of the whole person, uh, right, right. So, so it's it's not just don't do these things because you know then we're just you know we're raising you know good uh, uh, you know God fearing Pharisees <laughs> who, yeah. Yeah. who have a whole lot of behavioral change, but their heart yeah. you know is not bent towards the Lord and uh, and so That's yeah, right. situating it in the whole person uh, and recognizing that most of the time uh the problem isn't located you know in in any mm-hmm. particular part of the person but it's actually uh kind of indicative of of what's going on in the whole the the whole being and so yeah yeah well said. Yeah, yeah yeah so what are some common issues that uh that that uh Christians bring to uh marriage counseling like what are what are mm-hmm. some th- like uh, surely you know you've been doing this for a while now and and uh, you you can see some patterns where you go yeah you know once you once you said you were dealing with this i you know i kind of yeah. anticipated that you would be here <laughs> what what yeah. are what are yeah. some of those issues
1: yeah it's it's interesting i mean I, i'm reflecting as you're talking i in in my unique circumstances i tend to get kind of the really the the worst marriage counseling situations just mm. at a mat because we have other folks equipped to deal with the this is a terrible way of saying the more garden variety mm-hmm. uh, types of marriage situations. Um, so I think my answer might skew that way. So I'm trying to not let it skew. So okay, maybe if I could zoom out and just answer it, this is just a casual observation. I wouldn't even try to measure this, but it feels to me like the majority can be summarized as drift or conflict hmm. is what sort of the presenting problems. Right? So by drift, I mean, the difficulties of life have just sort of worn away at their marriage or, you know, they haven't been investing proactively in one another. They're not friends. Mm. So there's a lovelessness that has happened. And then there's a, and then what sets in is boredom or a sense, a loss of a sense of meaning or Mm. self, um, a loss of sensing God's joy in this marriage. And so, uh, that's what i mean by drift and then there's like dozens of things that that can lead to in the particularities hmm. um then by conflict i just mean you know there's actually uh tension and animosity between them oftentimes there's hatred between them hmm. because they see the other one merely as a barrier to what they want rather than as a friend as someone to be sacrificed for and loved um and so, so so, in that drift and in that conflict, what's, what, what you'll find, and I want pastors and church leaders who are listening to you to understand this, right? The presenting issue is the presenting issue. Sometimes that is also the main issue, mm-hmm. the, the sort of heart issue, the subterranean issue, but oftentimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes in both of those things, what you what you find revealed as you talk things through with people is like deep depression mm-hmm. or anxiety or enslavement to sexual sin. And so it's like, if you're, if, if you're not recognizing that, then you're just trying to deal with like the conflict or the drift and like trying to get them to love each other more. Well, the, 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 the wife might be enslaved to sexual sin, pornography, Mm -hmm. fantasy novels, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The husband might have the exact same thing, or he might be uh, depressed in certain ways and, and just kind of in his own head constantly to the point where like he just appears to be an absolutely self-centered person to his wife because he's in his head so much and that's all the place that he occupies. Hmm. So um, I would just encourage folks to keep in mind the difference between a presenting issue. You You do deal with the presenting issue. You take people at their word but if you're heart focused, you're going to actually explore some of those. You're going to get to what the real problem is. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah. So, so at what point should a couple pursue counseling? Um, you know, is it? Yeah. Because I know, obviously, I know that most will pursue counseling when things are at a critical mass. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. is it, you know, do you have kind of other counsel uh, for for couples?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think maybe I would ground my answer in that central purpose that I talked about cuz mm-hmm. that's that's where answers are best cuz I can't I mean, yeah, Ronjour, you you know this just in what you do. Like people people want that like formula where they know mm-hmm. they've crossed the line for sure and they just enter in the formula and then it calculates a formula. There's nothing yeah. like that. Yeah. But if we ground it to the purpose of marriage, our calling in marriage, it it gets us a little bit closer to knowing when we've hit that tripwire, right? So, mm-hmm. so, so I guess I'd say it this way: when, when, when a couple, when spouses are not loving one another according to their calling, and and don't have the strength or equipping to address the reason why. Mm-hmm. So, why are we not loving each other? even if we can identify it do we know how to address it do we know how to deal with it but oftentimes they don't even they don't even know why they don't even know the the what so they're not equipped to even recognize what's hindering me from fulfilling my calling mm-hmm. and so again the calling to love one another in that uniquely covenantal bond of oneness okay and and by personal strength or equipping to address it i just mean it it, you know i think of the the metaphor of like a pressure sensor on a machine Mm, what what trips that is is an emergency situation where the pressure get builds up to the point where the machine and all of it's designed to do isn't managing that right Mm that the normal management can't handle it and so it trips this emergency situation where it goes and so um I think what I would encourage a couple to do if they're really in a spot where they have a hard marriage is ask themselves that question. Hey, do we even know why it's as hard between us as it is right now? Mm-hmm. And if we, and if we do, we we can agree on that. Do we, re, do we have what we need from the regular ministries of the word to be able to address this? And are we committed to doing that? Mm-hmm. I think if they are, they don't need marriage counseling. I think if they're, I think if they're not, or one of them really believes that they're not, I think it's wise to seek marriage counseling. and 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 part of this is, part of this is related to uh, our understanding of Christian discipleship occurring in the larger context of the church, right? Marriage counseling seems like a scary, wrong thing. If you are forgetting that individuals and individuals in a marriage covenant aren't doing discipleship and formation after Christ on their own, Mm. like that's not how God designed things. That's how our sort of North American, Western, upward mobility, middle class mentality often tells us you're kind of like a self-arranged person mm. that has to move but, but that's really not a biblical idea
0: mm. yeah 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 it, it, if if we're constantly thinking of of ourselves you know one not not just as sinners uh, but thinking of ourselves as disciples mm-hmm. um, then there's there's that sense in which uh, counseling is is actually already occurring or at least should already be occurring on multiple levels. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, I know with with our uh, my own marriage, we're we're going to be uh, celebrating 20 years uh, next year great. in 2024. Yeah, and um, and it, it's still astonishing. Uh, I I honestly don't know what what happened <laughs> in terms of the, the clock uh, time time mm-hmm. went way fast. But but you know, there their conversations that we'll have with each other. Where we're pouring into each other's lives, and 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 so on, and certainly we'll have conversations where we got to talk it out a little bit, you know, and go, okay, yep. what's going on, you know, what's yep. what's happening, where where did I go off the rails? Because ninety percent of the time I went off the rails, and and <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, okay, what 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 happened here? And then, um, and then there will be times where we'll be talking in groups, whether it be our small group or, or whether we'll have um, uh, some of our, our elders. Um, I'm an elder at a church, and and uh, you know we'll we'll have you know conversations together uh, as couples. Mm. Um, you have things like that, and then of course you'll have you know uh, kind of the the layer on top, you know, where we're talking to someone and just going all right, walk us through this, you know, what's, what's Mm -hmm. going on. Um, You know, I hear this, uh, you know, when, but, but, or, or uh, say, you know, I'll say something and, and Annie will hear something and I'm going that, that wasn't anything close to what I was, (laughs) to what I said and all of this. And it's like, but that's what she heard. And then it's like, okay, we got to figure that, you know, all and things like that. But on all of those different levels, there's discipling going on, you know, on all Mm -hmm. of those, on all of those levels, uh you know there there is there is wise counsel you know that's uh that's that that's coming and so yep i think that uh a, a lot of times we we're in that critical mass point because we missed the checkpoints <laughs> you know all yeah all along yeah. the way and uh and yeah and so there's just wisdom in saying you know no don't don't skip the checkpoints you know they're they're there mm-hmm. for a reason you know the um, the system, if you will, that God that God created in in a discipling community uh, is is there for a reason. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I want to shift gears because there's there's one situation I wanted to wanted to ask about in particular. Yeah. And and that's regarding the couple where one person in the couple uh, mm-hmm. really you know recognizes the need for counsel you know this there's something wrong here something is not yeah. working we need to see counsel and uh the other spouse just simply says no either either mm-hmm. no because they don't think it's that big of a deal or no mm-hmm. because they don't want to be you know you know talking to some stranger you know or or whatever um how do you approach that situation that that's kind of one question and then the other question is is there anything that can be accomplished when there's one person that's resisting counseling altogether
1: mm, yeah let me let me answer the second question first, okay, and that answer is no i I don't think so hmm. well there's there's not much that can be accomplished between them if someone is actually hostile and resistant to the counseling hmm. okay. So I don't I don't want to I don't want to discourage anybody by saying that because I'm not saying that nothing can be accomplished. Many good things can be accomplished. It's mm-hmm. just in terms of the conversation between two people in the room, you just can't have a conversation mm-hmm. when someone's hostile, okay? Mm-hmm. So so you have to choose how do I think biblically and globally about what can be accomplished here or what God's calling in this hard situation is where you have one person refusing to enter into a process like that. Mm. Well, oftentimes what that means is you are counseling the spouse who is willing Mm -hmm. and it's, you're not doing marriage counseling just with not him in the room or her in the room. What you're doing instead is you're discipling them to respond in ways of righteousness Mm. and trust and gentleness in the Lord you're you're encouraging them for the long haul. Mm-hmm. You're equipping them on how to respond, and oftentimes that's the very thing that the Lord will use to soften the other one, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I I want to make sure that this caveat is clear. I am not talking about an abusive situation. Sure. If the hostility is to the point where there's abuse, um, you're you're not just telling someone to kind of like be sweet in response and take it. You're actually are having other forms of accountability involved against Mm -hmm. the abuser. Mm -hmm. So I think that was obvious in my talking, but I also, I also know there's lots of listeners who might misapply that uh, if they're in a situation like that. And I don't want that to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. Mm
1: -hmm. No, please go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, it reminds me a lot about first Peter three, you know, where you have the, the wives there, And the husbands, Peter mentions that they are disobedient to the word, which I take to mean Mm -hmm. that they're they're not believers, Um, Mm -hmm. so they're not disobedient as in the Lord, you know, said, "Don't lie," and they're you know, compulsive liars or something like that. But but rather, kind of in the context of First Peter, uh, obedience and disobedience, he uses uh, in a lot of ways um, or a lot of a lot of places as. his way of saying that they've come to you know receive the gospel, so they've obeyed the command of the gospel, yeah. you know, to believe in yep. Jesus, and so they're disobedient to the to the gospel, disobedient to the word, and and he goes to wives, and he it really it's it's individual counseling, it's personal counseling, mm-hmm. where he's mm-hmm. telling them you know submit to your husbands, and just as you had said, their behavior, their conduct that he talks about there. Could actually be the means in which God, you know, God changes their uh, their husbands' hearts That's exactly and, and moves right. them, you know, in, uh, yeah. uh, to trust in Christ. And so, uh, so yeah, I see that. And and at the same time, kind of the caveat that you had there, I don't think that First Peter three is talking in in issues of abuse either. Uh, I, I think yeah. that um, in all of the the submission commands that Peter mm-hmm. gives, there's obvious. You know places where this does not apply. So Peter himself, in uh, talking about submitting to the government, uh, well, Peter was crucified f- for resisting the government. <laughs> they they said stop preaching Christ, and well, he preached Christ, and and you yeah. know, so he yeah. did not submit to the government uh, in yeah. that in that in that way. And so there there are it's a general statement of of uh, of, of of counsel there, general statement of instruction. Uh, and there's certainly uh, places where um, where it's appropriate uh, to go a different path, um, uh, if that is you know uh, uh, you know if in in terms of what the rest of Scripture would teach and, and and so on. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. So so back to the first question you asked: What do yeah. you do if someone's resistant? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think you want to acknowledge the resistance and do it in a way that's going to be most likely to win them. So mm-hmm. as a counselor or a pastor or whatever your role is here, you're you one of your goals in that early stage is to win them. Okay. You mm-hmm. can't force them. You can't manipulate them. You don't want to do those things. You want to win them. And by win them, I mean, convince them at the heart level. So I do this most often by just simply addressing the why question as to their resistance. And How you do this is gonna you got to make the best judgment call. So so if you find out about the resistance through the spouse beforehand, hey, my husband doesn't want to do this, blah, 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 then think of the best way of reaching out to that spouse directly. If you know him, if he's a friend, uh, maybe a phone call maybe you see him after church. Hey, could we, could we just step aside for like a 10 minute conversation? I just want something to be super clear to you. And then you simply are clarifying the purpose of marriage counseling because mm-hmm. they have an idea in their mind that they're resisting. And yeah. there might be, they might be right about some aspects of their idea, but they probably have a lot that's wrong in there. Like hey, this is only going to be a conversation where I'm taking your wife's side Mm. and I'm going to tell you to straighten up. Mm. And, you know, they probably just have all these ideas in their minds. And so you just say, hey, listen, this is what it boils down to. I love and respect you, and I want to help you uh, honor the Lord in your marriage. And there's going to be things that you see right and she sees wrong. There's going to be some things, brother, that she sees right and you see wrong. So I'm not promising that I'm never going to correct you, but I do promise that I'm going to respect you and I'm going to listen and try to kind of get what I think the scriptures tell me to get, Is this global view of things, so that we can ask the question, how is Christ honored in your marriage? Is that your desire, brother? Well, yeah, yes, it is. Of course it is. Okay, well, then l- let's just try this tool, and if it doesn't work, we'll try another tool. Uh-huh. So in other words, you're you're kind of, you're trying to win them to the fact that you are simply trying to utilize a tool that gets to a goal that you all ought to have as Christians and that our primary commitment's not the tool. Our primary commitment is the goal.
0: Yeah.
1: And that usually I have found that that usually gets people's defensive defenses down enough to actually be able to enter into a productive conversation.
0: Mm, that's helpful. That's really helpful. So how can a local church encourage and cultivate a culture of biblical yeah. marriage uh, marriage counseling? I mean, we talked about yeah. you know that that in the end it's really mm-hmm. uh, um, a system of discipleship, <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, this networking of discipleship that's going on. So, how how does the local church cultivate that kind of culture for marriage counseling?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I in in counseling circles you hear a lot about like we need to destigmatize counseling and I'm 100% there. I'm mm-hmm. also going to give the counterbalance. Mm-hmm. You also don't want to universalize it. Sure. So like I I guess the phrase would be destigmatize without universalize, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, it because here's the thing. Is it normal to get marriage counseling? Well, yes and no, right? Yes in that God made us for community. We are formed as disciples in community. Of course, you don't know everything about marriage. Mm -hmm. Of course, you don't know what difficulties are the Lord in his mysterious providence is going to bring into your life that you're facing that you never thought. Of course, other Christians who have faced those things and are fresh and not tired and fatigued like you are can come in and help you. So yeah, that's normal. That's great. But also, no, in that counseling is not the only means by which the community influences my marriage or, or a marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you keep people keep people always in mind. Like, I think this is how you set a good church culture of discipleship. We are discipling you with every ministry of the word every week, every gathering. Preaching is a discipleship, mm-hmm. is a form of discipleship solid teaching is a form of discipleship fellowship with couples who are more mature than you. Mm -hmm. When you kind of can ask, Hey, you can ask a a husband, Hey, is it normal when I get so upset about when my wife does this? Yeah, that's normal. But also you're a jerk and (laughs) you need to, (laughs) I I was a jerk too in my thirties and you need to grow out of it in this way. Like those types of, of conversations honestly are remarkably formative that is the ministry of the word. Mm-hmm. And so I do think, when I say don't universalize, I, th- there have been couples in my ministries over the years, whether it's a church or whether it's caring for people through the seminary or counseling directly the community. There, I have noticed there are some couples that think counseling is necessary for me to be able to do this in the long term. And in one sense, counseling becomes this thing they're relying on When you want to say to him, no, you have everything you need in Christ. Just obey him. Listen Mm -hmm. to him. Mm -hmm. Trust that he is for you and loving you and that he's given you the strength to do this. So I have seen people, you know, rely on it overmuch. But your question is right. The main problem is actually on the other side is people are so it's shameful to them to ever be in counseling and all the rest of that stuff. So they avoid it. But again, if pastors and church leaders are setting this, look, we are discipling you, we are forming you as disciples, here's all the tools, here's the proactive tools, here's some of the responsive tools, we're all going to need any number of those tools at any given time, and there's no shame in using any of those things. It really does kind of take the ick out of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because you were talking about just the different elements of the local church. Uh, and, and how, you know, the, the, the ministry of the word, you know, in, in all those different yeah. aspects. And it was something I've, I've, I've used before in, in times of conflict, uh, you know, where, where there have been couples in conflict. One of the things that I appeal to uh, in just the life of the church is the Lord's Supper. Or I'll tell them, I say, when you are taking the Lord's Supper, you do realize what you are communicating, not just about yourself, yeah. but, what you're, but what you are actually witnessing with your, with your spouse as well. Uh, mm-hmm. This is one for whom Christ died. He, mm-hmm. he shed his blood for her. For him, you know, he, uh, he 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 allowed his body to be battered and bruised and so on, and ultimately laid in a tomb uh, for our salvation. Just that recalibrating, you know, that the Lord uh, that the Lord's Supper provides that reset, you know, uh, mm. regularly to say. We are blood bought, redeemed, mm-hmm. you know, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. There, it's been interesting just how letting that sink in can diffuse, you know, some of the tension, you know, that yeah. that can that can be in the room. It's not it's not a magic potion or anything like that, but it's just meditating on the realities, you know, that we communicate in uh, in in something even, you know, like the Lord's Supper. Uh, yeah. You know something so profound to 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 kind of help us shape the way we see ourselves and the way we see the other.
1: That is such a powerful word, and it's powerful when we believe it's powerful. That our marriages happen in the context of the covenant community, the church. Yes, and, and Jesus has shed blood and His instruction for us to eat and to drink in to remember that and to refresh ourselves in that. That's that's a serious business. I love what you did there because you you're. You're undermining the individuality mm. that we assume. That is not a biblical idea. That is nevertheless part of the assumptions that we approach the world with.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, what is what are some resources that you'd recommend for pastors, church leaders, uh, on on this topic of marital counseling?
1: Yeah, specifically marriage counseling. I mean, <clears throat> there's plenty of great books on marriage, but there's you know there's not a ton on marriage. Counseling from at least a biblical counseling perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so John Henderson's "Catching Foxes." Um, mm-hmm. That's off. That's off. Is it Song of Solomon? Yeah, that the, yeah. The Foxes of often ruin the vineyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Holmes has a good book, "Counsel for Couples," that has a that has a methodology to it. Bob Kellerman, Gospel Centered Marriage Counseling. Mm-hmm. That's another sort of resource book. Yeah. those those are those are the three that come to my mind.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, those are uh those are really good books. I've I've used um uh Bob Kellerman's book before. He we actually uh know each other from years back and uh, uh he's a solid solid brother. I definitely recommend the That's other great. ones as well. Um yeah. any final words of encouragement for pastors and and church leaders that may be listening? Uh, not just uh, as as they are shepherding the flock in in and uh, and certainly married couples in their churches, but maybe even some that are uh, that are going through some rough patches in their own marriages.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, here is what comes to my mind: marriage counseling. Just since we're on this topic for pastors, marriage counseling is difficult, mm-hmm. and it and it's hard on you as the pastor because it it drains you it makes you have to like like sort of assess what's going on in a relationship your position in the relationship you don't feel like there's resolution at the end of any given conversation it can feel like a long-term thing i just want to start by acknowledging that that is the case and it's not because you're doing something wrong It's not because you don't know the secret method of changing this marriage. Your job is not to fix the marriage. Your job is to point people's eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ and his power and love for them that can unlock these things in their lives. Mm. And I would just encourage you. You don't know the long term effect that you're having on those people. And, uh, over the course of a lifetime, the, the Lord's the Lord's work is often slower than we want it to be. And we put pressure on ourselves to quicken it. And the Lord is saying to us, no, I have this. You just be faithful. You respond in the ways that are responsible to respond. And whatever the consequences in this marriage and then the overflow onto the spillover onto other people in your church, I have this like you can trust me. Um, so I just want to say that as a as a word of care and relief for them because I do think I do think in the anxiety we take on about the churches but that's Paul's language right the the anxiety that we have for the churches that is that they wouldn't depart from the gospel that that they would that they would hold fast I think there's a healthy sort of anxiety or or sense of threat that we feel the seriousness of to our people Okay? that's what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But where it crosses a line into sinful worry is when we act as if God doesn't have this in his hands. Or we have to in some way out scheme the problem because God's not doing that. Mm-hmm. And we can just we can just rest in the Lord in that. Um <clears throat> that's what comes to mind in terms of just the burden of caring for marriages. Um, I think if, some, if there's a pastor out there that is having a difficult time with his marriage, um, I would encourage you, whether it's in your church or perhaps for certain reasons, you don't have the, uh, the availability to open yourself up for care in your church. There are plenty of ministries mm-hmm. that would be able to care for you and to just give you some maintenance and help you work things out um with your spouse if you would avail yourself to those things um and i would just encourage you if this is my earlier answer right if you are at a point where you're like you know what i don't know if i'm equipped to deal with what is hindering us from loving each other in these ways you actually model humility for your people by seeking care like that Mm. and uh I think the Lord would would really bless that. Mm. So that's that's an encouragement to you. You you'll got the Lord will, if you're really open to God giving you the direction on that issue and you're you're seeking him, "Hey Lord, is this something that we can continue to work through with your word and things like that on our own?" I think you'll get a sense for that. If it's not, I think you'll get a sense for that. If, if you're holding that with an open hand before the Lord, he's going to make it known to you. Mm.
0: Mm. Wow, that's really good. That's really good. Dr. Pierre, thank you for joining me for today's discussion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be with you. It's an honor.
0: Yeah, yeah, thank you. And likewise, I I want to encourage uh, pastors and church leaders, uh, all that are listening here, to check out the many resources that Dr. Pierre has written. Uh, they are such a a, a wonderful uh, um, collection of, of, of instruction and counsel that I think will definitely bless you. Uh, and your churches as well. And, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Uh, if you found today's episode helpful, why don't you consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. Uh, we'd love to hear any feedback that you'd be willing to give us. As always, it's our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that with today's conversation. And finally, brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.